which I guess is similar to what they're doing now, but it feels like a very different interface. Do you understand? Yeah, you feel yeah. like if you were in the theatre, you'd want to be doing more with it, I suppose. Yeah, you'd be going, did I really pay you know, this amount of money to come and watch people sit in a chair and say lines at me? They're not acting, they're just saying lines. I mean, that's theatre when you distill it down to a certain level, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, certain level, that's all plays. I like to think there's a little bit more to it. Hello and welcome to the Players Podcast. My name is Ronan Hamill. I am Productions Manager for Queen's University Players this year and I'm joined by... Chris McCamuskey, the Treasurer of Queen's University Players. How's it going, Chris? I'm good, Hamill. How's you? Fine. Nearly there. (laughs) Nearly, nearly there. It's getting very, very close. Um, I I think I've complained about this the last two or three weeks, um, about how much is going on. Not complained, just mentioned... (laughs) Um, but we're almost there Um, we will be joined later by Claudia Mills the director of Quiet and Violent um, our final production of uh, the first semester Um, so we're looking forward to that but before that um, you brought up the idea earlier Bims to me before we started the call that given that this is our last podcast of uh, term um, and given that we've subjected others to the torture of it that we should do our own uh, cultural highlights um, which I think Indeed. is a nice idea for um, a sort of final one and you know well I was going to say a Christmas podcast this is not a Christmas podcast in any way we have not made it feel Christmassy or anything like no, that we'll leave, but, we'll leave that to Christmas open stage plug, yes plug, plug. indeed Christmas <laughs> open stage um, coming up at You're the watching. end of this week as well um, I'm in it it'll be fun I think I'm in it too but I haven't actually recorded anything for it um but uh, yeah, so in in the spirit of Christmas, we'll we'll uh, you know make it a, a communal thing, and we'll bring ourselves into this now as well. Indeed. And, uh, and I'll let you I'll let you start it off. What what are your cultural recommendations for everyone? <laughs> the best bit about this is that you know, just like nobody else has been prepared, despite having the same idea independently of each other, neither of us bothered to prep it. <laughs> yeah, I think we thought it'd be good to subject each other to it and not ourselves. Um, cultural highlights for this year. A show I've talked about before that I watched through lockdown um, and that I'm not sure it made it into the podcast when I talked about it before, but it just released the first half of its fifth series is Lucifer. Um, the, uh, the first three series are available on Amazon Prime and then the fourth and fifth and now the sixth um, are available on uh, Netflix. It's one of those things where it's by no means the best television show in the world and I'm not going to try and argue it is. Okay. But what it is, is really very entertaining Fair enough. Those are uh, you know, those are the shows you, know, you could come back to, aren't they? You go, oh, this will be you know this will be fun at least because mm. it's the devil has decided to move to Los Angeles and is solving crimes. Yeah, that sounds like a ridiculous premise. Let's watch that. Okay, that's one. Yes, one from you now. A one from is me now. Turn around. Um, <laughs> I 
Well, I'll try to stick with this year as well, but I'll go right back to the start of the year um, when the very final, the very final half a season, actually, it wasn't even the whole final season. It was um, the final, the second part of the final season of Bojack Horseman um, was uh, released on Netflix. When you start watching it, first of all, you think oh, it's a silly sort of, um, you know, animated sitcom about, you know, animals that are living in a normal world except they're all animals um and it's all about the trappings of celebrity and uh, the dangers yeah. of fame but it's so much more than that it, it's not even a sitcom at times it's like a meditation yeah. on a it's a meditation on family and on like generational damage and how things that your parents do cause issues with you um, and how you yeah. then pass that on to other people um, it's far, far more insightful, far more relevant than it has any right to be. Um, I'm going to do something that's rare for this section, and I'm going to recommend a book. Cool. It's a book called A Gentleman in Moscow by Amal Tolls, an American writer. It's a really, really fabulous book. It's about um, a guy called Count Alexander Rostov, um, a Russian aristocrat who gets essentially placed under house arrest in the uh, Metropole Hotel in Moscow, essentially in lockdown himself. Yeah, very relevant, yeah. I'm just going to copy you, and so I'm going to go for a book as well. Um, this is maybe a slightly less obscure one, um, which is Milkman by Anna Burns, which is her sort of semi-fictionalised account of growing up in Belfast uh, during the Troubles. Mm. Um, and it's strange because it's never explicitly stated that it's in Belfast, although it obviously is, um, and nobody really has any names in it. I don't think anyone has any names in it, actually. Everyone's referred to um, through their relationship with her. Um, yeah. And so it gives it this strange sense of being both placeless and timeless to some degree. Um, mm. Yeah, Milkman Diana Burns. Um, oh, I know one, and I'll give a YouTube recommendation um, okay. for something okay. people might be aware of. You probably watched both of these people when you were younger, um, but uh, there are two YouTubers called Ashens who reviews Tat on a brown sofa. Oh, no, I will give you one. It is still Ashens. He released his second feature film. It's called Ashens and the Polybius Heist, and I know it's a YouTuber movie, but don't give me that look, Hamill. I wasn't giving you a look. I was giving you a look because you, you were immediately defending yourself and I hadn't said anything. That's why I was giving Mitch, you a look. Mitch, it's audio. Play along. <laughs> they can't see your face. It's <laughs> not trying to make me look bad then. <laughs> but um, his second feature film, Ashens and the Polybius Heist, which I watch. You'll have to pay for it, but it's very, very cheap and absolutely worth it. Okay. It's... Um, it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and very much deserving of it. Cool. Yeah, um, that's my recommendation. That's a nice, unique recommendation, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, my last one I'm going to mention because Lucy brought up Tim Minchin uh, last week. Um, mm. And uh, given the time of the year, I don't think this song by Tim Minchin is well enough known. Um, it's called White Wine in the Sun. Um, and it's a really lovely, different sort of Christmas song um, that is 
written from the point of view of someone with a sort of secularist mind. Um, it's not really a religious in any way. And the song is about the fact that it's not religious. Um, yeah, so White Wine in the Sun by Tim Minchin. There you go. We will uh, leave it there anyway. And uh, when we come back, uh, Claudia Mills will be with us. So we'll be back in a second. And we're now joined by Claudia Mills. How's it going, Claudia? It's going pretty good. Yeah, how are you guys? Yeah, good. Uh, we're this this all happened quite hectically today, so <laughs> feel a bit all over the place, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, That's just the end of a semester in general gets a bit hectic. So exactly, last few weeks. It's yeah. How are rehearsals going so far? You were just saying you just finished a rehearsal. Are things going well? Are you happy? Yeah, I, it's, they're going really well, to be honest. Um, we had some issues last week, you know how it is. When you get to, you know, the third, fourth week in a re- um, play rehearsals, you get to the kind of point where everyone's kind of, they've hit what feels like a peak and now they're still slightly plateauing, but you know they can go just a little bit further. So I had yeah. to have what mm. I usually do and what everyone who's ever worked with me before knows is when I get to the point where I just insult everyone for like an hour <laughs> and then they go, okay, now we need to actually sort ourselves out. The two of you know. Yep. You yeah, that's, 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 that's what I wanted to talk about because actually, ladies and gentlemen, Claudia's really mean. Yeah. And this is an intervention for her bullying. <laughs> it's the only way to get things done. Because you can only be nice for so long. You can only say, oh, do it like this a little bit. You have to get to the point where you go, look, we've talked about the fact that you need to speed up in the bit, that bit. We've talked about the fact that you need to seem like a bit more of an asshole in this scene. But yet you're still coming across as nice and you still don't know your lines. So let's wise up a little bit. Fair enough. It um, works. It gets results. No, it's your method. you got to have a style, I suppose. <laughs> totally <Stoyle's> method. <laughs> Threats. Just be yeah. horrible to people, and they'll do what you want. Uh, how are you finding the whole Zoom aspect of it? Online rehearsals, online production? Is it daunting at all? Or are you just sort of like, it's just a different way to do it? It is a bit of a challenge. It took some getting used to, to be honest. Um, in certain respects, it's got its own pros and cons. So, you know, you don't have to tell people, oh, stand here. You know, you enter from stage left and you walk to this chair. You do your scene then you move over there or whatever. You don't have any of that because especially with this production it's literally just your head and shoulders in um at all times it's just facial expressions it's just hand gestures um but it also has its own limitations of you know you become acutely aware of little things that people do and that every little movement you do is so like watched you know if you're supposed to be reacting to someone say something and you react slightly too early because you weren't paying attention or you react slightly too late it's really noticeable so it becomes very much a matter of me saying you know you you did that same reaction a couple seconds ago will you do something slightly different just to kind of break it up a little bit and try and Mm. fully shape a character you know because when you do a production on a stage and things your walk the way your character holds themselves all that sort of thing helps build a character but when you're just doing it on Zoom, it can just feel like yourself sat in front of your laptop and you still need to build a character and have little mannerisms like that, especially when it's just their face. That makes it difficult. But I suppose one of the good things is you don't need to worry about, you know, when you go to a rehearsal, when it's in person, people are late because they have to walk, they have to get the bus, they have to drive. It does make it easier to just be like, just join this call at this time and most people show up on time. 
<laughs> most people, yeah. <laughs> you know it's, how always, it is. it's always a slight veiled threats at the end of all your sentences. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't make me sound evil. I'm trying to make people want to be in my place. This is a hatchet job, Claudia. Were you not aware? <laughs> yeah. We said it was casual, but really we're here to kill your career. Um, we have a few new um, players, members, I suppose, across the first semester shows. Um, yes. Yeah, how have you found with your cast? Is everyone sort of working well together, both the experienced and the new people? Unbelievably well, I have to tell you. You know, some quite a large portion of us are already friends, so that helps. Um, but, you know, this is Caleb's first show acting, and he mm. is doing phenomenally well. You know, he came in to the audition process, and, you know, I've worked with him before. He was my assistant stage manager for Speaking in Tongues, as you both know. Um, and he was always really prepared for that. But when he came into the audition, you know, he already knew his lines, you know, exactly what he wanted. He asked me questions before we started to try and be like, I really want to make sure I nail this character. And he came in hot every rehearsal. He's been on it. Um, and he's just gelled really well with the cast. You know, Eloise has only been in Mays Hill before. So she's worked really well. You know, she just, and the thing is, I would say about Eloise, you know, I keep saying this to her at the very beginning, I was a bit apprehensive, you know, if, there was certain parts of the role she was not fully connecting with. And now I'd say she was in the upper end of the cast because she just, she took those questions she had about the character and she really formed a role from it. And when you're on such a heavy spotlight like this, when you're on Zoom, it is just the intensity of watching someone is so pronounced. And if you can't hit those moments, it really does take away from the performance and she's really nailed that down. Yeah, excellent. Very impressive. I was going to say, you, you as you, you mentioned earlier, um, have a fondness for that sort of the stuff you made us do speaking in tongues, very movement based. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. have, do you feel restricted? Do you feel like you want to do other stuff? I know you've mentioned it briefly there already, but I kind of like to hear a bit more on that. I would love to do um, a more like physical theatre style play the whole way through again, like I did with things I know to be true. Um, I would absolutely love that. You know, when over the summer when I was sat in isolation, I bought a ton of different plays. I went through and went, oh, you know, this one would be fabulous for that. I bought a lot of plays that had previously been done from my Frantic Assembly, um, which is who I'm kind of most inspired by when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, and so there were so many different ideas that were going through my head. So yes, to some degree, I do feel a little bit restricted um, doing things on Zoom because obviously you can't do any of that. We can't touch each other. We can't go through those sort of processes. Um, but I think this as, you know, this and Ghostlight have really, really helped me get to grips with the whole, you know, even with something that's got physical theater within it, the actual acting and the connection between characters is so fundamentally important. And so I think it's really helped me see a little bit more into that side. And, you know, I, I know the physical theater, you know, I've been doing that for years. I did that as part of my GCSEs, part of my A-levels, and now I've done plays with it. Um, so I know that that's part, I, I can add that in at any point, but you know, there were times when we were doing things that would be true and when we were doing speaking in tongues where it kind of felt like the actual conversation and the emotion behind it kind of took a back seat because I wanted to get some of the physical movements within it. Um, but, you know, I think I feel a little bit more balanced now as a director having done both different sides of it, you know, doing straight acting and doing something with a physical theater element. So I don't think I'd have an issue doing something like this again without that. 
I think I kind of yeah. learned, yeah. you know, especially with the speaking in tongues, I kind of felt like I was with the second half of the play, you know, the bit that you guys were in, I was trying to um, throw in physical theater for the sake of throwing in physical theater at times. There were bits of it that I thought, oh, we probably could have taken that out and it still would have been good. Um, so I think now I know where it's needed and when it's not needed, but yeah. You've mentioned once or twice there about ghost light and I, I think we probably should mm-hmm. talk about it um, because it's sort of a s- strange one, ghost light, in that it was something that we created, but it was never really put up by us in any way. It was because it was going yeah. as specifically as an Insta project. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, it was essentially the three directors who had players had been chosen to go to Insta last year that ended up being cancelled because of COVID basically we're able to work together on a new production that was recorded um, in accidental theater and then submitted um it was quite a different piece um and i suppose yes. it was very the, the decision from youth from the three of you directors was to make it something that was quite relevant to what was going on with theater at the minute um mm-hmm. did, how was that whole process uh well you know it was it was an interesting time, you know, I got, uh, I came over to Belfast for like a week to pack up some of my things before I went back home again and um, got a message from Ronan saying, you know, oh, we're, we're doing this. Do you want to be a part of it? And obviously my answer was yes. So I ended up staying here for an extra month. I'm not, I've only went home for the first time since July last weekend. Um, so that was fun. <laughs> but to be honest, you know, it was a whirlwind from the start. We got together, we met. We did a lot of rehearsals in Botanic Gardens in the bandstand because we couldn't go inside. We couldn't be in anyone's house. Yeah, I remember. Um, So we just kind of became a sort of, we all discussed what we'd like to do. And at that point, you know, no one was really making theatre about lockdown. It kind of hadn't gotten to that point yet because there hadn't really been time. Everyone was still in lockdown. So when were you making theatre about being in lockdown? Um, And we kind of, as we went through it, you know, we realized that Desi, Keelan and Ruri all had very different experiences of lockdown. And we just kind of realized, you know, we could write, we could use one of the plots of one of the three plays we'd done, or we could come up with something entirely new. But if this is so prominent to us and we all connected with it and we all missed the art during lockdown and during isolation, why not talk about that? Um, And there was this conversation we had about how being in a theatre gives you this sort of feeling of performance and there's no real way to describe it unless you've experienced it and we knew this was going to is we knew this was going to a place where everyone who was watching it loved theatre and knew exactly the experience yeah. we were talking about and we just thought this is what's going to hit home because it's what hit home with us so, you know, we could have done it we thought it would have been too much of a challenge to have three directors directing three actors because there's too much of conflict and people's different opinions and things like that would make it too complicated. So we just kind of split into people who'd had similar experiences. So, you know, Emily and Desi had had similar experiences. Me and Keelan had had similar experiences and Ruri and Ronan had had similar experiences. So we just kind of split like that. And, you know, my experience with Keelan was that we were, we'd have all these really deep conversations and we wouldn't know how to turn it into a scene. So what I started doing was just literally recording our conversations and we just found moments of connection and it was honestly a real joy to work with him. And I would not change that for the world. I think he gave me what I needed and I gave him what he needed um, in respect to that. Um, 
we just gelled really well and it created a really fantastic performance in my opinion. I think he did a fabulous job. And I was, can't give him more credit. And was rewarded he was. Um, in turn uh, with the best actor at DISTA, which more than deserving. So proud. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, 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 we all were as a society, of course. Mm. Mm. We will we'll ask you the, uh, the, the regular question that everyone freaks out about. Um, no, it's <laughs> fine. Hang on a second, Claudia. Have you not been know, listening to the podcast? Listening. I know. Oh, um, I, I may not have had a chance to just listen to it. I listened to some of the ones that you'd done with the committee that, you know, from early days when you were first oh, discovering how the podcast podcasts. The secret ones? The <laughs> secret ones that only the committee are supposed to hear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I lived in a house with several committee members at one point. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, um, we would kind of like some recommendations from you, basically. We're thinking three things of whatever you want, film, TV, music, books, plays, anything that you've kind of been reading or watching recently that you think people should look into? Oh, oh gosh, that is a tough question. Um, so first thing I would say is, uh, lots of people have raved about it, lots of people have said, oh, they want to watch it. It's the TV show, The Handmaid's Tale. Don't know whether you guys know it. Um, I read the book mm. when I was doing my GCSEs um, and then, went on to watch the show as it came out. I think it's absolutely fantastic. There's something so authentic about it, about um, the way that people can be oppressed, women, all this sort of stuff. Um, and the sort of, the fact that society can be changed on a head by one specific thing that happens that people don't have control over. And I think it fits really well at the moment with lockdown and everything, you know, this one virus changed our entire world, our entire reality. What else? There was a play I read during lockdown called Lemons, 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 um, which basically is about, yeah, so it's about um, this couple and they live in a society where um, suddenly there's only a certain amount of words you're allowed to use each day. And so they have, to, they basically try and communicate in this strange version of English where they try and say certain words to each other, be like, what do you want for dinner? So they'd say dinner what or something yeah. like that. So they have to try and figure it out. Um, and at one point they had this massive row during the play and the woman, um, she only has like five words left that she's allowed to say. And so she just, rather than trying to have an argument, she just yells lemons, 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 lemons to try and she's out of words and she yeah. can't have the conversation anymore. Um, but it's just this really, really lovely um connection between people and the way that we argue and the way that we deal with situations like that um really lovely play you know what i watched that i really enjoyed that might be a weird one elton john's movie the the one that's about elton john where rocket man it's, just, rocket rocket man. Man. it's superb the, that's the, that's it's absolutely superb um i just i loved it there was something so raw about it it felt very genuine and obviously yeah. you know Elton John everyone knows the sort of history that he had with drugs and sex and music and all that sort of stuff um but it was mainly the know, music they, yeah they <laughs> allowed you know he allowed that film to be made of him that is so raw and it doesn't paint him in the best of lights let's no. be honest and I love the fact that um oh what's the song at the end where they literally just put um Taron Egerton's head on Elton John's oh, body um I'm still standing I'm still standing, yeah. yeah. I, you just, oh, the creativity. 
and yeah. how much that Taron Egerton looks like Elton John is very spooky at the oh, end. Oh, it's a great performance. Side by side. That's kind of us, Claudia. Uh, thank oh, you. Thank you very for... much for having me. No, thank you for joining us. Um, we're always delighted that people are like willing to come on because this is still very much <clears> a project in work. Um, Quiet and Violent will be uh, broadcast this week. Uh, keep an eye on our Facebook page for all the Zoom links and uh, things like that. Um, and do be sure to be there as early as possible because um, we have seen uh, this week that we have a lot of people looking to watch the shows. Um, we were at full capacity the other night, so um, be sure to be there early. Um, Mims, do you want to do the usual social media. Here we go for my usual rant about the social media. Uh, we are Queen's University Players on Facebook. Give that a like. Uh, we are at QU Players on Instagram. Give that a follow and like all the stuff on it. Uh, and uh, if you want to find out more, you can message those pages and one of us will get back to you. You can also email us players at qub.ac.uk. Can I also add that I want to make a very special thank you to Laurie Cotton, who's my assistant director, who's helped me out so much during the thing. And also to Nora um, Helen, who's made the poster for this production, which was a stupid creative idea that I had that she has somehow formed into a really fab looking poster. I'm very proud. Yes, but, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Claudia. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. We will hopefully be back in the next term, provided we're allowed to be. Um, yes. Thanks. Bye. Thank Bye. Bye-bye.